This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I want to welcome you to my warning radio program. Today I have, I believe, a very special program. It was recorded October 25, 2008, in my staff service. And the speaker, my former wife, who now is with the Lord, Dr. Jeannie Hansen. She's going to talk on discipline. This will be part one. So you want to make sure you tune in to the program tomorrow and hear part two. Once again, this is a very special program. I believe discipline is a very important topic that the church is lacking. Most people are not disciplined. And for that reason, they fail in so many areas of their life. Not only in their job places, but in their homes. Discipline is critical. Now sit back and enjoy today's warning radio program, part one on discipline. Once again, by Dr. Jeannie Hansen. God bless you. Well, this lesson today is at the request of Pastor E.J. and my husband. So some of you are going to get a repeat, but it's not a total repeat because I added some more. So that's why we had to record it again, because it's not exactly the same. We're going to talk today a little bit on discipline. Let's open in prayer. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Like Steve said, it's so gorgeous out today, and we just thank you for the sunshine, Lord. Father, we just ask that your presence will be here today, Lord. Father, you know that I always speak in holy fear of what I say, that it might be correct according to you, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I just pray that you will help me as I talk today, Lord, and, and help me to express my thoughts clearly, Lord. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Proverbs, it says, Apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. So, discipline is something that we as a Christian should have in our life. Just naturally. I mean, it comes along with the Christian life. And it's amazing and surprising how many Christian people do not have a disciplined life. I want to make it clear that this is something that God's been dealing with me on. I'm not picking on anybody or anything. That This is something that he's been dealing with me on. You know, I find it so much easier to be disciplined when I'm not at home. When I go off to Boston and I'm sitting in Kareem's little apartment... And there's just no distractions around. I find it very easy to be disciplined to pick up the Word of God and to read it and not get distracted by all the other things. So every one of us has areas in our life that we need to improve on in discipline. Jesus was our perfect example of a disciplined person or life. He fasted when it was necessary or when it was needed. Remember the experience in the wilderness? He fasted. He feasted when it was appropriate, the wedding in Cana. I guess you could even say the Last Supper was kind of like a feast. And he enjoyed those things. He went and he did those. He taught when it was needed to both all the multitudes and personally to his disciples. And his teaching was always a life-giving message. It brought life. Even when he was correcting, it brought life. He prayed. His prayer life, we all know, was there. A good example was in the garden. We also know about the Beatitudes, the prayer. Christ was a disciplined person. And he was silent. 
He had the power of the discipline to speak not a word when he was standing before Pilate. A lot of us wouldn't have that discipline to keep our mouths quiet when we needed to. And Christ was the example of perfect discipline. Turn to Proverbs 25. If any of you know that when I speak, I do a lot of scripture turning because I feel that anything you have to say should be based on the word of God or it's not worthwhile. It's just your opinion. So Proverbs 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. When we lack discipline, we are without protection. Just like a city without walls, if we don't exercise self-control, it leaves us open for attacks of the enemy. We end up doing what is natural, which is after the flesh and not after the spirit. Our emotions and our whims of the moment are what's in control of us. So we need to be a disciplined person so that we are not brought under the attacks of the enemy. Turn to Second Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, it says, According as his divine power has given to us. We can have discipline by having the power of Christ in our life. Verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. God has got many, many promises in his word. And we have that by reading his word, by being a disciplined person, and using that power to become a disciplined person, and taking those promises into our own life and living them out. And then in verse 5 through 8 it says, We are the ones that are to put it into practice. So our part is to follow after Christ. He doesn't do it for us. We have to do it ourselves. Oswald Chambers says about this verse, Add to your faith virtue, that verse 5 through 7. Add means there is something we have to do. We are in danger of forgetting that we cannot do what God does and that God will not do what we can do. We cannot save ourselves nor sanctify ourselves. God does that. But God will not give us good habits. He will not make us walk aright. He will not give us character. We have to work out the salvation God has worked in us. 
So add means to get into the habit of doing things. We have to get into the habit. Now, a lot of us have habits. Some of them are good, but there's a lot of us that have habits that are bad. But discipline is a habit that we want to get into having and doing every day. We have to be a disciplined person. Throughout the Bible, there are many different Greek words that are used for the word discipline. You don't have to turn to all of these, but in Titus 2.5, in Romans 12.3, and in 2 Timothy 1.7, the Greek word that is used is sophron, and it means to be of sound mind. So why don't we turn to Romans 12.3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man in the measure of faith. In this instance, that word has been translated soberly. So there are several different words that sophron is translated in our English Bible, and one of them is soberly, another is to be self-controlled, another is to be discreet, and another one is to be self-disciplined. And I think that right there speaks clearly. We are to be self-disciplined. Yes, as parents, we discipline our children because we're trying to show them how to be disciplined in their own lives. But we have to discipline ourselves. When you become an adult, you can't expect somebody else to be, you know, constantly at you, telling you what to do. When you've got a job to do, you're supposed to be disciplined to do it. Don't make excuses because you didn't do it. You've been brought up, you've been taught, you know what your job description is, whether you're a child at home and you've got chores or whether you're working in an office or whether you're, you know, working in a hospital. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You have to be disciplined and do it and not go by your feelings and say, I'm too tired or I'll take an extra hour of sleep here and not bother to get up and do what you're supposed to be doing. In uh, Galatians 5.23 and 2 Peter 1 and 6, the Greek word used is enkrestia. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing these right. Which means power over oneself. Let's turn to uh, Galatians 5. Verse 23. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. That word, power over oneself, we've translated it as self-control. Meekness, temperance against such there is no law. So it's the word temperance that has been translated there as self-control. I've got the King James Version, but a lot of the newer versions will translate it as self-control. And in 1 Timothy 4.7 and Hebrews 5.14, the Greek word used is gymnazo, which means to train. We also use the word to train or to exercise. Let's turn to Hebrews 5.14. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So they used it, they translated it exercise here, or to train. All of these words show us that God has work for us to do. It's up to us. 
Proverbs 23, 7 says, As he thinks within himself, so he is. God's word has instructions for us to do. So we're supposed to be the ones that are doing it. A lot of times, you know, we will pray that prayer, God, change me. And then we just sit back and expect God to just, you know, like some magician or something, zap us up and we're immediately changed from, you know, what is it, the fairy tale Cinderella. You know, we're changed into this beautiful person, you know. Well, it doesn't happen that way. It takes self-discipline. And so I've listed a few of the areas that we need to discipline. The first area is our mind. God has given us instructions for our mind. Referring back to that Proverbs that I just said, as he thinks within himself, so he is. Isaiah 26.3, he tells us to keep our minds steadfast, stayed on him. Steadfast means that it's firm, fixed, settled, or established. Something that is constant. So when he's telling us that we are to keep our minds steadfast. That means we're supposed to keep our minds firm and constant on the Lord. That's not to say that you can't think other thoughts, but behind everything, everything else that's going on in our lives, we have to be constant. We have to be firm. We have to be disciplined. Romans 12.2 says we are to renew our minds. So renew means to bring back into good condition. To give new spiritual strength. Some of us, our minds are not in very good condition. Because we've allowed things in that have corrupted us. And when he says to renew our minds, we're taking the word of God and we're changing our thought processes. Some of us are from abuse backgrounds. (coughs) And we grew up with wrong thinking. Wrong ways of, it developed our character. And those old patterns, those old patterns of thinking, those old tapes of thinking, have to be renewed, put back in good condition. So we want to work on our lives. We want to work on disciplining our lives so that we are renewing our minds every day. If you're not in the Word of God, there's no way you can renew your mind. Because you, what you're putting into it is what's going to come out. And I'm afraid I'm beginning to sound a little bit like my husband. But <laughs> it's true what you're putting into it. If you're putting garbage in, garbage is going to come out. If you're putting faith into it, faith is going to come out. If you're putting praise into it, praise is going to come out. There's not a person in this room that shouldn't be able, when we're singing, to stand up and praise God. Everyone here that I know of, has a relationship with Christ. And if we've got that praise in us, it should be bubbling out. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we are to be in control of our mind, of what we're supposed to be thinking. When a bad thought comes in, we have to reject it. We're the ones that have to take the initiative and do battle in our minds. We have to be the ones. Colossians 3.2 says we are told to set our minds on things above. Don't think on the things and dwell on the things down here that are bothering you. Set means to be fixed, unyielding, and determined. 
So we're supposed to be determined to set our mind on things above. You know, when things go wrong, don't think about the negative. Try and find the positive in it. Think on the things that are of good and holy and joyful and, and pure. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. Are we following what He has said? I'm speaking to myself just as much as to all of you. There are days I get down in the dumps, and I have to remind myself that I have to think on things that are above and think on things that are holy and righteous and good and not dwell on what that person just did to me or what that person said about me or, you know, the car accident I was just in or how I bashed in my husband's car and, and it's no more. You know, I could dwell on those things and they would make me feel very, very discouraged. But we are not to dwell on those. We are to dwell on the things that are good. The good thing of it was, I wasn't killed. None of my family was hurt. Mm -hmm. Those are the things we are to dwell on. All of these verses show us that we have to mentally work or discipline our minds. God's not going to do it for you. He's not going to pick up the Bible, stuff it in your lap, open it to the page, and read it to you. You have to do it. Why our minds? Because sin and disobedience begins in the mind before we ever actually act it out. It begins here, in our thinking. We all have thoughts and temptations that are not what they should be. We all have them. That's the way the enemy works. But we are the ones that are supposed to take the steps to discipline ourselves and not to dwell on those sins and those temptations and to not do them. Sometimes you'll hear somebody say, well, I just did that without even thinking. Yes, there are some things that are reflexes that we do do. Like I notice that in a car, if I go to slam on the brakes, this arm automatically goes out to save the person in the passenger. You know, it feels a little ridiculous when I put my arm out to save Grandma Bubbles. Those are reflexes. That's different. But you know what? There's a lot of things that are not reflexes in our life that we say and that we do. And we had, even if it was only a split second, we had a choice to do them. We did. We had a choice to bite our tongue or to not do that action that was something that was sinful. We had that choice. Romans 8 Six through eight tells us that the sinful mind is death. Let's look at Romans eight. Romans eight, six through eight says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So our sinful mind is death. It's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's laws. Therefore, it cannot please God. But the mind that is controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. When we are controlled by the Spirit, we are going to be able to go through life in a lot more peaceful way and a peaceful manner than we are if we are the ones that keep being in control and getting ourselves into trouble. The way we think is related to how we live, whether it's in the spirit or in the flesh. The way we think is related to how we live. 
Everything that we think guides us in how we are going to act out our life. So if you're thinking things that are negative and sinful, then you're going to act those out. But if you're thinking things that are positive and are based upon the Word of God, then you're going to act out godliness. How we feel should never tell us how we respond to God. How we feel should never tell us how we respond to God. We know what the Word of God... I'm talking to people that I know have been in the church all their life. We know how we are supposed to respond to God. We've been brought up on the Scriptures. All of us have. So we have to choose to exercise discipline with our will. It's our choice. If you guys noticed, the songs that I picked were, a lot of them were about a decision, a choice that we made. I have decided to follow Jesus. Things that are positive. Let's just praise the Lord. We have to be the ones that decide to do those things. That's not going to open your mouth and make you sing. You have to open your mouth and make yourself sing. Right? You have to be the one that praises God. He's not going to supernaturally have this voice come out of you. You have to do it. I know that pastor has said this before, but this is an area that I think that this ministry is lacking some. An example of this is Psalms 101, 1 through 4. Uh, Let's turn to that. Psalms 101. I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, I will sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. He's saying that he will set before his eyes no vile thing. So we're supposed to have discipline over our eyes. Reverend Dr. Jonathan Hansen has written a book titled The Science of Judgment. God is predictable. There is a scientific pattern for the rise and fall of nations throughout history. We need to understand the laws or the rules of design regarding prophecy and judgment. When it comes to the laws of judgment and prophecy, denominational or personal belief systems have nothing to do with the reality or the certainty of the rule of judgment. Dr. Hansen's objective is to warn leaders of nations of the second coming of Jesus Christ and the plagues or judgments that are coming upon these peoples and nations that reject Jesus Christ as Savior according to the Scriptures. Dr. Ronald E. Cottle, founder and president of Christian Life School of Theology, states that this book is a must-read for Christians and other leaders in the United States and in other nations. It is clear, powerful, and well-reasoned. We all owe a debt of gratitude to Dr. Jonathan Hansen for the years that have gone into the research and writing of the science of judgment. This book has more than 300 pages, divided up in five sections. Part 1, The Science of Judgment, has chapters titled such as The Laws Regarding Prophecy and Judgment, Patterns of Apostasy, Purpose of Chastisement, Standards for Justice and Mercy, God Forgives When People Repent, God Holds Nations Responsible for What Leaders Do, Parental Responsibility, The Feasts of the Lord, Solomon's Transgressions and Their Consequences, Righteous Kings versus Evil Kings, Example of King Jehoshaphat, Ungodly Alliances, 
God is predictable. God holds people accountable. Man can turn into an intelligent beast to do evil. Section 2, The Deception of the Theory of Evolution, has chapters titled as Problems with the Theory of Evolution, Evolution and Racism, Darwin's Hatred of Christianity and its Fruit. Section 3, Why Must There Be Judgment, has titles such as The Fall of America and Her Destruction, Cult Christianity, Radical Liberal Politics. Section 4, Kings, Dictators, and Presidents, with the following chapters listed as People Choose Their Nation's Leaders, Qualifications for Godly Leadership, Romans 13, Delegated Authority, Satan is in charge of this world, not Jesus. If laws violate conscience, we must disobey. Finally, part five, so what must we do? These chapters are listed as, we are in a cultural war, our responsibility to a hostile government, the Christian's science of judgment. With turmoil ever increasing throughout the nations, as Bible prophecy is coming to life right before our very eyes, one must read the science of judgment to have a clear understanding of these events and the reasons why. Call 360-629-5248, 360-629-5248, that is 360-629-5248, and request your copy of The Science of Judgment for a donation of $35 or more, plus shipping and handling. Thank you, and Shalom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.